Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hey, hey, this is Linda and... <laughs> and this is Linda, too. Oh. oh, Richard, you're always teasing. Man, we're coming up on a big anniversary here, and he is just doing all he can to tease me. Well, teasing's what it's all about. You know, all good... All good and lasting relationships are based on a certain amount of teasing. Oh, for sure. Don't you think? I think humor is a better word. Hey, we wanted to talk a little today on Ayers on the Road about parent-child communication. Isn't that really the bottom line for everything, Linda? I mean, doesn't it all come down to how parents communicate with their kids and how kids communicate with their parents? And that is a... Those are two separate subjects, aren't they? I mean, you know, it's not all about how getting the kids to respect you and speak kindly and and so on. It's a lot of it's a two-way street. It's a lot about how do we. In fact, the real starting point is how do parents talk to their children? And wow, are there a large variety when it comes to that? And we know that because we've just been here with 45 people including nine children and 26 grandchildren. So each of those children correspond with their children, with their own children in a different way. And it's so, I mean, that's one thing about grandparenting. And and if you are a grandparent listening, you'll identify with this. If you're a parent listening, this is something you have to look forward to. When you you observe parent-child communication between your own children and your grandchildren, you see a lot of things. You see a lot of things they probably don't see. And one of the things you have to learn as a grandparent is to bite your tongue and not try to be too uh, much of an advice giver on, uh, you know, how the kids are communicating with the grandkids. But just just think of the variety there is, Linda. I mean, we have, and I'm I'm not just talking about our kids. I'm talking about our observation as we go speak in different parts of the world and we watch the patterns of parent-child communication. Some of them are cultural and regional. I mean, for example, when you're in England, um, you might have a lot of problems in your family, but one thing you probably do is you communicate very formally with your children, and you have a certain tone and demeanor, and you tend to treat your children more as adults than as children if you're British. Don't you think that's generally true? Oh, absolutely. Not. And not only that, but also with a wide vocabulary. I right. mean, it's just amazing to hear a British child speak to you or speak to an adult because they have an amazing vocabulary, and it's because their parents speak to them in an amazing vocabulary and it really is quite stunning and quite delightful actually and remember what, what was it france we were in that one time and we decided all french parents seem to have such calm demeanors in their family and then we saw a couple we thought was an american couple and they were they were calm too and we thought what, hey, what was that, that happened? hey there we were yeah in fact we were reading something a french book raising oh, baby right. that's right raising baby and we were sitting at this restaurant in some random place in the u.s and we thought you know they oh, we were in the u.s i yeah, thought we, we were, were in, in the, france no we were in the u.s oh and, that's right okay. and we saw this family communicating with each other so beautifully and they just all dinner they just talked back and forth like they were there were two parents and two children and it looked like four adults 
they just kept talking back and forth and and we said, you know, there are American parents that do that, too. That's amazing. And then they stood up to pay their bill and walked by our table, and they were speaking French. <laughs> wow. So it just proved that the book we'd been reading was true, that French families are much more calm and more adult Communicative, in Communicative, yeah. <laughs> but I do think that it is not just how we talk to our children. I think it's how we talk to our grandchildren. Um, well, it's, we, we have how been, our children talk to us. Or and talk how to they parents. talk to us, absolutely. We've been in the fire the last um, three weeks, as we've had all of our children here off and on. So all of them at once uh, for four days. That was 45, but then some came early, some left late. We have one family left, and it really has been so interesting because the mix was fantastic because these little cousins don't see each other during the year. Our kids live all over creation. We have one who lives close enough to come to Sunday dinner with us once in a while, still an hour, two hours round trip. But it really was so fun to see the cousins all bond and so on. And they kind of all took care of each other and so on. But then we got back to the last family the other day as we were trying to clear everything out, which is enormous. Every drawer, every closet, everything had to be cleaned out because we had renters coming in. So um, the kids and this last family, honestly, they cried and whined and bawled and fought and argued all day long. There was not a minute when somebody wasn't screaming at you mean after they, You mean after, after they were back everyone to just their own family? And yeah. they were just back with us again. Well, and they well, uh, you know, they were back with, with their, their mom. mom again, and they they had some bad. You see that a lot, and it's no discredit to our daughter, who's a remarkable mom. Oh, but, the same thing happened to us. I mean, our yeah. kids were always worse when we were around than when other people. Well, were. Well, and when they were just alone, the worst communications pattern in families seems to be when the family's there just by itself. There's no one else around. There aren't other dynamics, other communication dynamics, and. A lot of kids fall into bad patterns and bad habits, and a lot of times the disrespect we hear from children in talking to their parents, which, by the way, is worse in the U.S. than anywhere in the world, Much. I think. Yeah. But, it, but it's not based on, on, you know, actual disrespect as much as it's based on bad habits, and yeah. that's why we've often recommended to parents that the you know, if you have some kind of a law in your family for speaking respectfully to the mother to the father, then the consequence or the punishment for breaking that rule or law should simply be to start over because the only way to, you know, you've heard the old adage, the only way to to, to uh, break a bad habit is to drop it. And, and you know, if, if kids know that if they speak disrespectfully, you're going to just say, oh, let's start over. And that means... I'm going to ask you that again or say what I said to you again, and this time you are going to get a second chance to answer respectfully. And if they don't, still don't, then you start a third time. And once they realize that this is not going to be tolerated, we're going to start over until you get it right and speak with respect, then they start, you know, they start breaking this habit. And, of course, part of it is when you have that as a little consequence as a parent, you start realizing that maybe part of the reason they're answering you disrespectfully is that you're treating them disrespectfully on a different way, a different level. You're bossing them or you're, you're yelling at them or you're being demanding or you're or sort of putting them down in your tone of voice. And so by the start over, a lot of times you say, let's start over. 
and then you repeat your request, and this time you're probably more polite as a parent. Will you please go do your job and take out the garbage cans? And this time you've spoken with more respect. Hopefully they answer you with more respect. And I guess that's the first point I wanted to make today, Linda, is that a lot of parent-child intra-family communication is all about habits, good and bad. Some parents have very good habits of communication within their families. Some have really bad ones. And the sad thing is a lot of times we grow so used to it we don't notice it. That's that's why so often yeah. you'll see another family who will say, wow, how can they let their kids talk to them that way? Well, the chances are they probably don't even realize it's happening because it's become so habitual. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And the thing that I always say is we have some friends once who taught me a great lesson as far as um, what to do with whining and crying and arguing and so on. Um, this is Carson Rustand, honey, and we were in, oh, we yeah. were visiting them once in Arizona, and we went to the grocery store to get some groceries, and we stopped, and we had three preschoolers with us. One may have been seven, so in school, but anyway, young children. And before we, she turned out the car, and then she turned around before she went in, and she said, now, children, how do we act in the grocery store? Do we whine? Do we beg for things? If 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 you're begging for something, what am I going to say? And they all say, no, you're going to say no. And then they say, well, she said, think about it. We are going to go in this grocery store. I do not want to hear any whining, crying, arguing, or you will just have to come out and sit in the car. And just that little talk with them before they went in made an amazing difference. I mean, I don't know, maybe they just always do that before they go to the grocery store so they're trained. But that is what what was one of my most unfavorite things to do, to take kids to the grocery store, because they're always, can I have this, can I have this? And if you have a little chat with them before you go in, it makes the conversation in the grocery store much well, and more I'd, pleasant. I'd just like to say you practice what you preach, Linda, because just today, earlier today, uh, Linda was, uh, I'm going to embarrass you a little here, honey, on how good you are, but you were taking four of these four grandkids who are still here. They live in Boston, but they're not going back till till Saturday, and you were taking them to the Children's Museum, and I saw you gather them around the kitchen bar and say, now, kids, we're going to the Children's Museum. How are we going to act there? And you got them to respond, and you got them to say what you wanted. I haven't asked you how it went today. No, they were perfect. I mean, we only did that because we didn't have that conversation on the way home from Bear Lake the other day. It was two hours and 15 minutes of sheer horror because they were just arguing, crying. I mean, I have to admit, they were tired. They had been helping all day. They were darling uh, to help, but they were just, they were tired of each other. They were tired of us, you know. So it was just really a hard ride home. And actually their mom <clears throat> took them on about an hour and a half drive the night before, and she said, you know, I, we just had to sing all the way home. We just had to sing. That's the only way I could get them to quit arguing and so on. And I think well, that's, that's not just, a bad technique. It's a great technique. Yeah. And, 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 but it's just so interesting because they are in the bad habit of, that's not fair, and that's mine, and I want that, and I want this seatbelt, and da-da-da-da-da, you know. Or and, the teasing, screaming thing. Yeah, the, the teasing, screaming. And it really is just so interesting if you have a little talk with them. Their kids are reasonable. Well, that's what you did today. Again, I just want to blow your horn a little because you were, and, and you you talk with them. You don't talk to them. You you were saying, 
Now, why are we going to the Children's Museum? Well, what are we going to see there? Well, why, why is that interesting? Well, what's the proper way to act in a museum? And they were giving answers, and so they were essentially committing themselves to be respectful and to be, and how do we treat each other? And how do the older kids treat the younger ones? And can the younger ones ask a question to the older ones and so on? And they're just thinking it through. It's like a case study so that when they get into the Children's Museum, they're going to act good. So I think what I'm adding to what you're saying is whether it's the grocery store or whether it's a quiet evening at home or whether it's a visit to a museum or whether it's a car ride, a couple of minutes sort of mentally rehearsing how we act in this situation, in this place or on this trip or whatever, probably ends up saving a lot of commotion in the actual thing. Well, I have to say, except you ha- if you have a two-year-old. I mean, really? Yeah, forget it on that. Forget it on that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really. Luckily, all these kids were over three, and it does make a huge difference. Um, we had a two-year-old with us all summer, and, you know, we have so many different parenting styles when our kids are all together, and, and we'll talk a little bit more about that when we come back from the break because it's so fascinating, don't you think? I mean, we have yeah. helicopter parents. We have parents who don't ever got them know all. where their kids are. we got one of every kind. <laughs> do. Let, let's do this after the break, Linda. Let's get into that, but also um, let's get to what some people might think we mean when we say communication, that is how do you really get things, how do you really look in the eye of a child, how do you really communicate with the child so that you're really hearing each other? We'll get into some of that right after this break. back and as we were talking in the first half there are so many different ways that that parents communicate with their children and that uh, children communicate with each other and that cousins communicate with each other which we've just discovered as we've just finished our reunion for the year um, day before yesterday Um, it is really interesting because we have every parenting style imaginable I, I mean though I mean they're all responsible parents which is huge blessing for us but we have one parent who said of parents the mom is 41 they have one child would love to have more but this is the helicopter parent of the world (laughs) and she's just hovering over this child all day and nap time is her greatest treasure and we all revolve around that child's nap time (laughs) but um, they're wonderful parents and this child is a communicator she speaks fluent English and fluent Swiss German and probably the uh, other extreme is um, a family that actually lived with them in New York City for four or five years, well, for years. And they have now five. And well, they, they didn't live together, but they were both in New York no, at the same time. Right. I mean, yeah. But, I mean, they have um, a child who's the same age as this only child, and they absolutely never know where that child is. He is... <laughs> Oh, he's gone, and he's always in a mess wherever he is. But um, you kind of like Tom Sawyer, and she's kind of like the little princess. I yeah, guess, that's there. right, exactly. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so fun to see. And the, you know, one is just mystified by the other because they just can't imagine how they could survive either way. The parents are yeah, mystified parents, by each other. Absolutely, yeah. it is just so fun to watch. And then everything in between. Some very strict, some very lenient. And some, and, and our biggest challenge really is just to keep our mouth shut, which we do pretty well, I have to say. 
Yeah, we do pretty good. Let me let me give a couple of thoughts on on actual techniques for getting kids to say more to you, for getting them to, to draw them out. Because let's face it, after we get past the respect thing and and uh, how the, the tone of voice thing, the real communication is how much are your kids really telling you and. And just a couple of thoughts, and, and this first one is so basic, and it, it almost sounds hilarious, it almost sounds humorous, but, but I swear it works. With little kids, one of the keys for a parent is to get down on their level, get on their eye level, get down so you're not towering over them. Sit down on, or sit on the floor or whatever you have to do to look them right in the eye, or even let them be a little higher than you are. And believe it or not, that starts making a difference in how much they will say to you. And well, um, remember that spot was the bathroom in our first apartment. Well, it's yeah. the only place the door closed in the entire house. That's where I first learned that, as I was trying to have little interviews with my two first children, and they were just little kids, and we had such a small apartment that the only place to be alone was in the in the bathroom. And so they would sit, the child would sit on the, on the, on on the, the toilet, on the throne, and I would sit down on the floor. And I thought, why are they so forthcoming? They're telling me everything I ask them. They've got a lot to say. And I started realizing it was because they were sort of in the commanding <laughs> position on the throne. So, so that really, really Well, you really have to mention that you were sitting on the floor. <laughs> I was sitting on the floor, yeah. And another thing that ties in with that is we, we just need to learn to be better listeners as parents. Usually our communication with kids are very, very directive, and we, we sort of want them to be quiet and listen to us. And of course, that's not real communication. If we can learn uh, what what is actually technically called Rogerian technique, named after the famous therapist Carl Rogers, who basically, and we call it active listening, we call it a lot of things today, but it's basically the simple technique of taking whatever a child says and instead of being directive or contradictory or judgmental, just repeating back what the child just said, but in a paraphrased way, so that the child knows you heard him and that you understood what he said. And then don't say anything else. Let the child go to his next thing. And and parents who get good at that, it's remarkable how much they get out of their kids. A lot of times, you know, you'll the, the child will say something, and you have to control yourself as a parent. Like, I'm trying to think of an example. Let's say your child says, um, um, uh, there, there was a bully at school. He was mean to me today. And what's your instinct as a parent? Well, who was he? Well, what's his name? Well, I'll call his mother right now. We want to get involved and solve the problem and do something about it. But if you just stop for a minute and just, just repeat what the kids said. Oh, you had a problem. Someone was not nice to you in school today. Yeah, you know what happened? I was at lunch, and this boy came over, and and he and he pushed my he pushed my tray and dumped my dessert off on the floor. Now again, you know, you want all these thoughts. You want to be directed. Oh, I see. So the, what he did is he was right in the lunchroom, and he came up and he and he made you spill your pudding. Yeah, and 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 you know, all you're doing is repeating, and the, the kid will go on. He'll tell you more and more. Pretty soon, he might get to. Uh, you know why why he thinks the kid did that and so on so it's it's like going i mean the first instinct of parents is to be directive and solve the problem and tell a kid what to do a slightly more advanced communicating parent might ask questions to the child well um what did you do to him or you know what was going on what were the other kids doing and that's better communication but believe it or not 
an even higher level is not to even ask a question. Just repeat what the child said in a way that lets him know you're sympathetic and you heard him, and then be quiet and let the kid go on. And many times the child will take you places in the conversation that you would never know to ask about. You know, another thing that I think has been very effective in our family, and you started this when our kids were really young, Richard, and of course he doesn't really go up through teenagers, but these young children used to gather up and say, let's talk about what you're good at. I think we really need, and it's such a good way to communicate your love and appreciation for what they are good at without, um, you know, seeming like it's contrived. And so, well, it is a little bit contrived, but it is just letting them know this is what I think you're good at and I think you'd agree. And it's so fun because Richard used to sit them down and then take out their hand and with a pen he'd write on the tip of their fingers an initial that represented something they were good at, like, you're really good at art. You're a wonderful artist. Let's put an A on your thumb here. And then, you know, you're, you're really pretty good at working. When we ask you to do something, you do it right away. It was, it's pretty amazing that you put a W on the index finger. And then you just go through that little process. And it's so fun to see their little faces light up and like, oh, my mom or my dad really understands that I am good at this. And I think sometimes we don't really um, tell children as much as we should. Well, and that, and that, that the thing that illustrates even beyond a communication technique is how how hungry most kids are for real praise. Now, I differentiate that from sort of boilerplate flattery. You know, a lot of parents are, oh, you're so good. Oh, my goodness, you're so wonderful. But there's nothing specific, and the kid's not buying it sometimes. And, and But if you can think of specific things you really do admire in a child, and, and you know, some of our kids wouldn't wash their hand for a couple of days because they wanted to keep those things. Just remember that, gee, our, my dad thinks I'm good at these things. And Well, actually, we have uh, one daughter especially that does this with her kids and she loves it and they love it but the dad's just a little bit on the cynical side and he after he does that he says okay now give me your feet and i'm gonna put on the things that you're not good at (laughs) (laughs) on your toes on your toes you can put your shoes on and hide them if you want no that's good and i i think uh, again uh, this is very elementary for some of you parents you've already discovered this that real communication with children rarely happens in meetings or in groups. Now, that's not to say family meetings and and group discussions aren't important. That That's the way we teach our kids a lot of times. If you've got three kids, you want to have them all there and you want to all talk together or whatever. But real communication is usually one-on-one. And in order to make that happen with a child, we have to try to carve out little segments of time when it is just the parent and the child. Now, that can happen very naturally in a car. Sometimes you're picking up a child. It's, it's important to get the radio turned off or the music off and, and just talk. Cars are a great place for communication because, you know, the kid can't get up and leave. Well, we used to call that mommy dates or daddy dates when we really had When we'd really take time. them for something, yeah. And we'd have them kind of plan it. Um, but you could do it just picking them up from a lesson or sure, whatever. Sure, yeah, too. you could. But it also is important for grandparents, I think, because especially for those who have several grandchildren, as we do, um, we, we, I, I like to gather my little kids by grape, 
by age group during the reunion and have grammy camp time just with that those kids that age but it's also so important it, just even running down to the beach with a one child and asking some questions or you know having a little email having an email address for some as they get older and having one-on-one communication with them i think is so important well and again something i'm sure most listeners already know but we all need to be reminded once in a while bedtimes you know, we think of bedtimes as sometimes this huge task. How am I going to go all to bed? I wish there was an easier way. I wish there was a quicker way. I wish they just I could give them and knock out drops and they'd just fall asleep or whatever. But, but instead of that, if we can adjust our perspective a little and say, you know, that may be the most consistent good time to talk to kids that there is. Because you're tucking them in, you're asking them. I know a lot of parents will say, what was your happy today? What was your sad today? What was the best thing that happened today and so on? And get them them to talk a little. By the time bedtime comes, they're much more communicative. Probably the worst time, honestly, to try to get something out of kids is right when they come home from school. Now, some kids are okay. They'll share. But most kids, when they come in, say, well, sit down here, son. How did school go today? How was math? How was spelling? They're probably not in the mood to tell you a lot right then. They maybe want to unwind a little. So well, bedtimes are the best time. No, I have to disagree with that a little. I think after school is better because sometimes they're tired at bedtime. No, but the, the, the tiredness is what makes them so they'll open up and tell you stuff. No, it also makes them scream and cry and argue. No, 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 no. Anyway, I have we have a daughter who does after school. She tries to have a little snack ready for him, and she always asks them two questions. What did you learn today? Just one thing. One thing you learned today. And who did you help today? Who, who, can you tell See, me? To who me, you that sounds like interrogation, Linda. I'm sorry. I think the bedtime's more natural. They're going to tell you more stuff. They're going to be more relaxed. Okay. Well, we but can, we just can disagree agree to disagree, to disagree on that. Maybe and they both work at different. No, times. I mean these kids are so compassionate. These kids, because they're thinking about yeah, who they those have helped, who they can help. I'd just ask them at bedtime. <laughs> okay. I just ask him at dinner time. All, All right. right. Yeah. Hey, we're out of time. Doesn't time fly when you're having fun? We'll we'll get into this subject again sometime. But have a wonderful week ahead, and uh, we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye bye.